We made it. Week one's here. We did yes. it. Finally, we've arrived. <laughs> Welcome to football, everybody. Football's Welcome back, to man. football. Football's Good back. afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. This is the Southside Beat, streaming live on DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube and available later, of course, where podcasts are found. My name is Corey Christen. Next to me is Chris Halleck. Today is Tuesday, September 5th, 2023. Live every day, Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, just before the Ramon Foster show. We're on time at every day, and Ramon will be at 4 o'clock, and yes, Swan 269. We are on time every day. Every day. It's week one. We did it. No yes, more it preseason. Is. No more yeah. football and shorts. No more fake stuff. No more here's what could be. We're going to yeah. talk about what is. And what right. is right now is Steelers 49ers. We've made it. Yes. You know, you know, football's back whenever Mike Tomlin steps to the podium for the first time and says, good afternoon. Like, and it's actually in the afternoon. Um, like that, that's when, you know, like football's like really, really back because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you get the good afternoon from Mike Tomlin whenever it's 11 o'clock in the morning and he's at a podium and at St. Vincent college instead of <laughs> the one on the South side. But yeah, mm-hmm. we're here. Um, it feels like a normal week now. Like, honestly, it, it just does. Uh, you were there uh, today on the South side, um, you know, there for uh, Tomlin's press conference. And it was the typical Tomlin press conference. He has his, his very long preamble where he talks about the state of the team and he talks about the upcoming opponent. Um, overall first impressions of what came from that for you. I think Mike Tomlin is shifting that demeanor, so to speak from, yeah. Steelers versus Steelers, as he would call it, into real football, into stadium mm-hmm. football, into a environment that the Steelers are now going to get into for the first time in 2023. And that is facing a real live opponent, 53 man versus 53 man for the first time this season. Yep. And you could tell just by how Mike Tomlin talked about the 49ers. You mentioned it. Chris, and it's not just from the standpoint of being a reporter and being on the South side, if you will, for the beat. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is more about the tone and how Mike Tomlin is approaching the next game and how Mike Tomlin is approaching how his team is looking and how his team is practicing and preparing going into the next game. It was more of the typical, you know, here's where we're at. Here's where we feel we are. Here's what we think of the 49ers offense. Here's what we think of the 49ers defense. And between now and Friday, Chris, we have four days to dissect everything that Tomlin said and everything about the game and everything about the 49ers and what's going on. But one thing we do know as as of right now is that the 49ers have a really strong roster. And this is a really strong season opener for the Steelers. We'll get to the, to the Nick Bosa stuff uh, here, not only today, but I'm sure we'll talk about it ad nauseum throughout the entire week. But uh, Brent Haynes uh, makes a really good point here. Um, You know, he he said, I don't think we could have had a better test for our team than what we have this week. That was his message. And I mean, to be fair, Mike Tomlin makes every single opponent sound like they're going to win the Super Bowl next week. Uh, He just, that's, he always breaks down um, the upcoming opponent, and, and, and louds all kinds, all kinds of praise for them. Um, but um, this team is different. This is a very, very, very deep roster. Um, 
whenever the, there's the possibility of a, of a player such as Nick Bosa possibly not playing and you're still talking about all of the other players they have on defense plus how dangerous the offense can be, um, it, it's a, it's going to be a formidable formidable test uh, mm-hmm. for, for the Steelers team, for sure. There, there's no question about that. And uh, uh, Swan269 brings it up. Uh, we'll just go ahead and get into it now, man. Mm-hmm. What are the odds supposed to play Sunday? And if he does, will he be limited? And uh, I'll kick it to you, but I definitely want to bring up a point on this because this kind of hits home for the Steelers a little bit. It does. Now, the NFL Network reported uh, recently that it was going to take some kind of a breakthrough for Nick Bosa and the 49ers to get him on the field. For those that are just catching up, Nick Bosa, reigning defensive player of the year, there's a contract dispute essentially going on right now between Bosa and the 49ers. Um, Bosa is in the final year of his rookie deal and wants to be paid like the reigning defensive player of the year who couldn't blame him. So there's an impasse as you might be able to imagine. Now, Mike Tomlin did address that today on Tuesday. He said, yes, we are preparing for Nick Bosa. We are preparing like he is going to be on the field. As and they should. of course, yeah. of course they're going to right as they should. And, he made a very good point to follow that up. He related it to what was going on with TJ Watt yep. a couple of years ago when TJ Watt was undergoing contract negotiations and was saying, Hey, I want to get paid more. I feel like I should deserve this. And he did. And he got paid more. He did. And he showed up as Mike Tomlin says on the 11th hour, signed the dotted line and then got back to being TJ Watt. I think uh, and I think people remember that game as the Josh Allen game even though Josh mm-hmm. Allen wasn't the one who did, who really he, he was the victim there. But <laughs> TJ Watt made himself very very well known um and yeah, that was that was a, a that performance I think was just everything that Steelers fans needed to see that like listened Yes, money. Like obviously, like the contract means something for sure. But he's not holding. Like it's not like oh, I just only care about my money. TJ was like, no, I'm gonna get back to being myself and even try to get even better. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he did. And Nick Bosa, as rightfully so as Mike Tomlin did, put Nick Bosa in that same category as TJ Watt. Now we can argue about who's better, TJ or, or Bosa, but either way. They're both elite edge edge rushers. They're both very, very good. Uh, two of the very best of what they do. Um, and if Bosa doesn't play, obviously that's a big blow. They're five and 10, I think in the last three or four years without Bosa. I, I can't remember the exact number of years. I'll go back and look at it. Either way, they struggle whenever he's not on the field. Very similar to what the Steelers have with TJ Watt. When TJ Watt's not on the field, they struggle. When he's on the field, they win. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's that simple. Uh, so he's an impact player. There's no doubt about it. Even with this awesome, awesome roster that they have, <laughs> it's still a really, really big impact player. It's a huge loss because then you look mm-hmm. at anything else they have at edge rusher. It's not nearly as formidable as it is whenever both is out there. I will, I'll say this, the 49ers for my money have the best roster in the NFL two through 53 with the yeah. exception of the quarterback. Brock Purdy had a good year last year. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. it but he's still Brock Purdy at the end of the day. To me, though, this roster, just on paper, 2 through 53 is the best roster in the NFL. That mm-hmm. includes Nick Bosa. And if Nick Bosa's not on the field Sunday, that is a massive, 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 all caps, deal yep. for the uh, San Francisco 49ers and for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Real quick, Randy uh, asks, is Larry Ogajobi ready for game time? 
Mike Tomlin was asked about injuries today, and he did not express any concern for any kind of lingering injuries that are coming out of training camp, out of preseason, et cetera. So that includes Larry Ogunjobi. So the expectation as of right now, and of course, we'll have an injury report this week. We'll see officially what he'll be listed as, and we'll see with practice participation and anything that could get confirmed. Yeah. Um, but we'll see about Larry Ogunjobi. Crystal here says she hopes yeah. Nick Bosa plays and would like to see Dan Moore's worth. And Crystal, I'm glad you brought that up <laughs> because Mike Tomlin also was met, was asked about that left tackle position. And Dan yeah. Moore Jr. will start at left tackle on Sunday. Yeah. And he beats Broderick Jones, the first round pick, the guy the Steelers traded up for in the draft to select. And Mike Tomlin said, hey, we liked what we saw to Broderick, but we liked the development from Dan Moore. And we like yeah. the strides that Dan Moore has taken. And Chris, for me, you know, in talking about this left tackle battle, I think Dan Moore had about as good of a preseason as you could have asked for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it was really encouraging to see. And and if it took something like drafting a, a first round caliber tackle to push Dan Moore to that next level, then so be it. Uh, because then, you know, you, what, you have three tackles that are uh, that are all worthy of starting. That's a great problem to have. Um, and to to be to kind of put it into another light when when Crystal brings that up about um, about you know wanting to see if Dan Moore you know if Bosa can test Dan Moore. Remember Bosa can ru- or can rush from both sides. He's not mm-hmm. T.J. Watt who's just fixed on one side. He does rush from both sides. So Chuksakorfer will also get tested as well if Bosa's out there. Um, so and and really that that'll be a great way to see. You know, okay, where's Chooks at? Because if Chooks begins to mm-hmm. falter a bit, you know, Dan, who says that Dan Moore can't eventually be, slide over to right tackle, become the right, the starting right tackle of the future, and Broderick mm-hmm. Jones uh, steps in at left tackle. So it's very possible as well. Very possible yeah. as well. Another good point here from Crystal. She asked, Hey, was Mike Tomlin soft padding as an excuse as to why Najee Harris was not named a team captain? and that Najee's image has been put through the ringer for the last four weeks. Let's address the first part there. No, Mike Tomlin was not. No. Najee Harris was not elected a team captain because the team does not believe in him or because of his you know, perceived image or whatever it might have been. No. Look at the four captains, okay? Cam Hayward a given, TJ Watt a given, Miles Killebrew, your special teams captain, a reigning guy from last year. And then last year, it was between Mitch Trubisky and Najee Harris. You know, having Mitch Trubisky elected as a captain and having Kenny Pickett elected as a captain, I'm going to have more on this on the website later, dkpittsburghsports.com. Having Mitch Trubisky elected as a captain and having Kenny Pickett elected as a captain are two totally different things. I don't want to underscore that Najee was not elected as a team captain, but I also don't see that as a major deal. Just simply for the fact that really, you really only need one offensive captain and it being your quarterback doesn't really elicit the need to have two. Yeah, I think you can only have so many captains, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And really the captains are the ones who, they're the ones who get in front of the cameras. They'll talk to the media once a week because that's at least on the, for the offensive offensive and defensive captains, they, they talk every week. Now, last year, the quarterback, I mean, so the quarterback always talks like no matter what, when it was Mitch Trubisky, when he was, when Mitch was the starter, he was the one who talked when Kenny took over, he was the one who talked. And then every single captain talked. Cam always talked. TJ always talked. Uh, Najee always talked. Now, you've been in the locker room. Mm-hmm. You've been in those Najee scrums. 
Najee isn't uh, necessarily in his comfort zone whenever he's in those media scrums. It's not because he uh, can't stand all of us. It's not because it's just, it's not his forte. It's not his, it's nothing against him. As somebody who wants to get answers out of him, I respect the fact that he might not like that situation very much. Mm -hmm. And if he's best being kind of a behind the scenes leader, not being this, hey, I'm a leader, I'm out in front, I'm a captain, mm-hmm. and he's just being the same leader that he is, no matter what, no matter whether he's a captain or not a captain. Mm-hmm. That's still in there. It just, you know, when somebody's like a captain, then not a captain. There's always these questions that arise, and rightfully so, that people are curious. They want to know why. It's not anything that's like, oh, all of a sudden he's not as in favor with Mike Tomlin or the coaching staff or the players or anything like that. It's just. Kenny has grown that much as a player and as a leader. Yep. And that is a complete reflection as, as Tomlin pointed out, it, it really is a complete reflection on how much this team trusts in Kenny to be the leader on offense. And, you know, mm-hmm. guys like Najee, guy, even Deontay is kind of a leader in, in his own right. Uh, not nearly as vocal, but you still have other leaders on that offense. Mason Cole being another one. They don't have to have the captain status in order to be real leaders in the locker room. See, and Teresa in our YouTube comments makes another valid point. Essentially what Mike Tomlin says, Ken, Kenny being named captain speaks more about how the team feels about him. Yeah. And the QB is traditionally the captain of the offense. Here's a small factoid that I'll spoil that I will have in my story later on, on DKPittsburghSports.com. Mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger was not named a team captain until year five in this yeah. thing. Yeah. So it, the quarterback doesn't, quote unquote, need to be the captain every year. I mean, of course, back then it was Heinz Ward. Yeah. So a good one to have, right? Right. But, <laughs> but that does speak volumes, I think. And I don't think it is a slight to Najee Harris whatsoever. No, no, no. I at think all. this is more just about style and personality. And again, Kenny's rapid growth mm-hmm. in how he has just taken this team and made it his. Yeah. So, and that's the thing about Najee Harris, too, by the way, um, to launch into a quick discussion about the Steelers starting running back. The, the gloves are going to be off when it comes to Najee. He was on a pitch count in the preseason. Why, is, why do we know that he was on a pitch count? Because he and Matt Canada both said so. <laughs> Najee Harris was on a pitch count this preseason. He wasn't yeah. going to take a ton of work. Yeah. He wasn't going to be you know the feature guy of the offense, so to speak, throughout the preseason. So if there is a little concern about, oh, Najee only had whatever it was, like eight carries for 20 yards or whatever. I don't know off the top of my head. I didn't mm-hmm. research that, but if there's a concern as to the stats, so to speak, that he put up in the preseason, really there shouldn't be. Najee Harris needed to come into the season healthy. Look at last season and what happened. He came in with the list Frank sprain. He wasn't himself for the first half of the season, and it took him a while to get his feet back underneath him. He's a hundred percent going into game one. He is a hundred percent going into a really tough for my money, the, the top dog in the NFC right now, as far as contenders for to make a Super Bowl. So that's the explanation on Najee Harris right now. Yeah. Uh, AJ Dub says, got here late. Sorry if you addressed it, but uh, why was Tomlin emphasizing tackling for limited, uh, for limiting, I'm um, assuming that's wise, uh, wide receivers. The, the 49ers, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the Niners, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. Okay, this is where I'm, you're going to see that I'm the old guy in the room. <laughs> I don't I don't read text like, what's LOL? Like, No, I'm joking. But like, okay. like no, but um, it's because, and honestly, this is more directed at 
how dangerous the 49ers are in mm-hmm. those instances. They are because Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, I like they have so many weapons. George Kittle, like if he plays, I mean, we, we know that Kittle's injured and it's not looking good right now for him, but we'll see. Either way, Kittle or no Kittle, they do so good at the short passing game, which you know, again, is good for Brock Purdy because he doesn't have to go, you know, be back there and dissect the defense for three seconds every single time. He can get rid of the ball quick, and Kyle Shanahan does such a great job at creating space for those guys to make catches and run after the catch. And that's honestly why Mike Tomlin really, really stressed that. It's because listen, there's this isn't going to be one of those games where we're going to be able to get back and sack Brock Purdy five, six times. It's going to be containment it's going to be making sure that we do everything we can to take away those short underneath throws and limit anything that they could possibly get after the catch because those five yard catches can easily turn into 20 yard gains if not everybody is doing their job and they're in the spot that where they need to be Mm -hmm. and so that's why he's putting that kind of stress on it because it is that important um i don't think it's an indictment on his players i just think that it's a translation from probably what he's saying in the meeting room. Like, listen, if we don't do this, we're going to get shredded all day. And mm-hmm. that's just, that's just the, the facts. <laughs> Par- paraphrasing what Mike Tomlin said, San Francisco can run long and throw short. Yep. That is, that is the basis of what he said. He, they have running backs in Christian McCaffrey, who is one of the best in the NFL. And Elijah Mitchell, by the way, is a good number two, yeah, really good number two running yeah, back. He is. So the 49ers have a couple of really good running backs. They have a very, very strong offensive line. They have the ability Ooh, to break. I'm going to argue with you on that one. I Give think me a they second. do. I mean, Trent Williams for me is the best left tackle in the league. Absolutely is. Not and that's a that really one. good anchor to have. I think it's a very strong offensive line. Um, I think it's a, they a, have a bit the, overrated. I think it's the weakness on the roster. Okay. And uh, the weakness on a very strong roster is still not bad. It's still not bad. I think it's a very strong roster. So altogether. you have a very unproven guy at right tackle. Uh, and uh, Colton McKivitz and I'm actually going to spoiler alert. um, Whenever we do game preview, this is going to be one of my matchups to watch is TJ Watt versus Colton McKivitz. Mm -hmm. He's unproven and he's going up against a very healthy, very chip on his shoulder. I'm still the defensive player of the year. TJ Watt. It could get ugly. That'll be the guy to break through. I think that'll be um, the guy to break through. But I think there's some good Trent Williams, and then I think there's some good pieces. The interior, the, the interior of the line combined have one year starting experience, and they're going to be going up against Cam Hayward, who's also healthy, who's also going to have TJ Watt flanking him on one side, Alex Highsmith on another side. Listen, Alex Highsmith is going to be pretty much at a one-on-one with Trent Williams like all day. Mm-hmm. So – if Highsmith gets anything done, like awesome. Like, dude, you just did, and he gets one sack. Like, you got a sack on the best left tackle in the game. Like, awesome job. Mm-hmm. But that interior of the line is, a, I think, a bit vulnerable because Cam Hayward's still playing at a high level. If Larry Ogunjobi is healthy, if Keanu Benton comes in and starts looking like that bull rush guy that can just come in and be slapping hands all over the place and get in, get after the quarterback, create some, some havoc up the middle. It's possible. I'm just saying it like, if there's anywhere where the Steelers can make this team vulnerable, it's, it's there. I mean, the Steelers have more depth on their defensive line in their pass rush than what San Francisco might be able to account for. I'm with you yeah. on that. 
Yeah. And I think TJ Watt has the potential to have a really big day on Sunday. I don't want to undermine that as well. Yeah. But I also do think that when you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey who can do so many things yes. and a guy like Elijah Mitchell behind him who can do so many things and have Debo Samuel who could do so many things. Oh, yeah. And Dude, have George Kittle who can get down the field. Like, I think the 49ers so many, have just yeah. so many ways to hurt you. Yes. That that's what Mike Tomlin was getting at. They can run For long sure. and they can throw short. And yeah. that's why the good tackling is a thing that he emphasized. The yeah. Steelers are going to have to wrap players up quickly. They're going to have to limit yards after the catch. They're going to mm-hmm. have to limit yards after contact for Christian McCaffrey, for Elijah Mitchell, and probably for Debo as well, who's going to take more than likely a couple of runs. Christopher asks, how much of an impact will our revamped inside linebackers group have on this game? I think they're going to have a huge influence. One way or the game. other. One way or the other. <laughs> I think it's um, a huge, I mean, every game, the inf- it, obviously every game is going to be impacted in some form by the inside linebackers. Yeah. But this matchup specifically where Christian McCaffrey can go line up in the slot. He can come run routes out of the backfield. Yep. They can do just about anything with Debo Samuel. It's going to have to come down to Cole Holcomb, Landon Roberts, Quan Alexander to really be on there, as Mike Tomlin would say, P's and Q's. It, mm. That unit is going to have to have a really good game. And, you know, earlier this week, I talked to Quan Alexander about communication and evolving, and he said he feels this group is doing a good job with all of that. So yeah. sharpening that, so to speak, going into week one is going to be more vital than ever. And this is a brand new fresh unit coming out compared to what was there last year. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Chad here. Thoughts on Calvin Austin in this game. Now there's a lot of intrigue about Calvin Austin because, well, not only because of just his actual, like his talent that he has, uh, he's one of those little bitty guys that can run real fast and change directions. Like even, even faster somehow, um, and obviously with the injury last year, we didn't get to see him in a stadium at all. Not like not even in the preseason. Um, I, I would anticipate that anything that happens with Calvin Austin is going to be at least on the offensive side, you're going to see kind of a, it's going to be gradual. Like you're not going to see Calvin Austin getting six, seven touches on offense in this game. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be shocked if it were that many. Uh, not only because there are how many receivers ahead of him on the depth chart, uh, including tight end Pat Fryermuth. So the ball can only go to so many different guys uh, so many times. But if you're going to see Calvin Austin make any impact, it's going to be in special teams. It's going to be in the return mm-hmm. game. Um, absolutely looked great in the preseason. Mike Tomlin made a really good point today that sometimes special teams is more about it just like I pointed out last week that a lot of the times in preseason special teams is more about what a a team is doing for itself instead of game planning against the opponent. And you kind of see the same thing in special teams. Sure. They're focusing on certain things, certain protections, certain, you know, techniques, whatever it is. And so you'll get a really good test on just how good the, the Steelers special teams will be in this game. Week one is always a much, much better barometer for what a team is going to look like in a season than the preseason is. And and actually, last week, like to kind of go off on a little rabbit trail for like 30 seconds. Sure. Week one last year was a really, really good representation of what the Steelers ended up being for that year or for like for the entire season. The defense tied for the league leading interceptions. They took the ball away from Joe Burrow. How many times last year? I think it was five times, five interceptions. I think so. So, I mean, it was that kind of a day for the defense. They mm-hmm. had they gave up some really big plays. 
that was a trend throughout the entire year on offense. They struggled badly. <laughs> they struggled badly, but there were a few like really good plays every now and then there was a trick play to Pat Fryermuth that worked out went down the field. Deontay Johnson made a f- sensational one-handed catch on the sideline. Um, you know, it was, it was a pretty good barometer for what the season was going to look like. They were going to be a bit up and down as that game was, that game was all Steelers. Then it was all Bengals. Then overtime was back and forth and it, Steelers ended up getting out on top somehow mm-hmm. last year. Steelers sucked in the first half of the season. They're great in the second half of the season and barely get on top of the end of the season in terms of finishing above 500. So there you go. We've got about five minutes before we wrap up. Uh, Coming up in 35 minutes is the Ramon Foster show with BK and Ramon Foster. Of of course, your first Ramon Foster show of week one. Yes. Uh, We were off for the holidays. I think we both needed it. A little reset. (laughs) You know, go have a couple of pops, if you will. So I think we both needed that. Chris, a final thought before we exit here on a Tuesday, the first Tomlin Tuesday of the season. And of course, this week we will break so much more down regarding this oh, game. Yeah. Oh, Swan, that's just that's just mean. Who's Ramon Who's Foster? Ramon Foster? <laughs> You'll find out in about 30 I know, I was minutes. Just kidding. It's awesome. You'll find out in about 35 minutes. Chris, a final thought from yeah, you. Yeah. Final thought. Um I honestly would rather see the Steelers face the 49ers at full strength. Mm-hmm. Um, I want a really, really good test in week one because preseason can get everybody really excited, especially when this preseason went as good as it did. Mm-hmm. Um, the 49ers, whether they have Nick Bosa or not, whether they have George Kittle or not, are going to provide a really, really great test for this team. I'd rather see them have to face an elite player like Nick Bosa because guess what? They still have to face Miles Garrett two times a year. They mm-hmm. still have to face uh, Joe Burrow and a really high-powered uh, Cincinnati offense twice a year. Um, I want to see how they do against one of the one of the very best in the NFL. I don't want to see a, a light version of it. Now, granted, if the if Bosa doesn't play and if Kittle doesn't play, and the Steelers manage a two-point victory, great. They're one and zero instead of zero and one. That's just one extra win that people might not have been counting on. And the difference between 11 and 10 wins in this AFC is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you really want to see how the Steelers team is going to be this year, if you really want to see where they are right now, have this 49ers team play at, as a, at as full strength as can possibly be. Uh, my final thought was somewhat stolen from Steeler nation for life. Are we going to talk about Zach Gentry going to the Bengals practice uh, squad? Yeah practice squad albeit but yeah that first matchup coming up in week 12 against Cincinnati so there's quite a while between now and the potential uh for the Steelers to see Zach Gentry Crystal thank you for the two dollar donation very much, Crystal we greatly thank appreciate you. that please like and subscribe we really appreciate that it goes a very long way if you missed any or all of this episode <laughs> these episodes will be done uh on podcast form as well so yes. Apple Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Um, Those will be available for playback uh, later on. So it's only Tuesday. We have a few days until, you know, we get to Friday where we could discuss this game. We can discuss the Steelers. We can approach San Francisco. But uh, this is the start of it. The ball is now rolling. We're done with the fake football. We are done with football and shorts. 
We're getting into real live game action, and it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Three um, more days to talk about this, man. That's by mm-hmm. my count. That's about ninety minutes worth of time, mm-hmm. and that's that's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun, man. I, I'm I'm excited about this week. We also have a lot of great content coming on DKPittsburghSports.com, mm-hmm. uh, not only from. Uh, myself and Corey, but from uh, Dan Kovacevic as well. And uh, we already have Matt Williamson's war room up there. Like we, we, it's going to be a a week loaded with information, loaded with talk. uh, And plus we're going to have everything going on with Nick Bosa and uh, George Kittle and the rest of the 49ers uh, injury stuff uh, in our Steelers feed on there as well. So you get to keep uh, up to date on that as well. So uh, we're going to have all that stuff. Uh, So, so excited, man. So excited for the season. So excited for football to be back. Chris has to hit the drop-off, the pickup line. I have to hit PNC Park. I got a baseball game to cover tonight. Heck yeah, man. We'll, We'll talk to you all tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Southside Beat. Peace.